0: Welcome to episode 36 of the Student Pilot Cast, Potapalooza 2010. In this episode, you get to listen to all the aviation podcasters talk about well, flying and other things affecting flying. That's right, it's time for Potapalooza 2010. If you missed us at Oshkosh, or if you were there but had way too many lineys, this is your chance to listen to the annual gathering of the aviation podcasting world that happens every year at EAA Air Venture in Oshkosh
1: We
2: want
3: it set to be on an Angel Where does the some
0: Welcome to a very belated episode of the Student PilotCast. This is not another flight, of course, but seeing as how I'm back from Oshkosh 2010, I wanted to keep the tradition of releasing Potapalooza on the Student PilotCast feed. As an FYI, as a host of the pilot Cast, now, I'm releasing most of our coverage of Oshkosh and other events uh, there and elsewhere at PilotCast.com. And we have some really great stuff from Oshkosh over there, so go check it out if you get a chance. Anything that is related to student pilots or pilot training, though, I will continue to release here in the pilot cast. More importantly, though, is that I'm committed to getting through my primary training in the podcast quickly, so you will be seeing some more episodes drop here in this feed, I promise. For now, though, on to Potapalooza 2010. If you need to contact me for any reason, you can reach me at Bill at StudentPilotCast.com or on Twitter as at BillWill, B-I-L-L. Will, B-I-L-L W I L. As usual, thanks for listening. I loved meeting some of you and hope to meet even more of you in the future at Oshkosh and other gatherings. For now, enjoy Potapalooza 2010, which was broadcast live on EAA Radio from 7 to 9 p.m. on Friday, July 30th, 2010.
4: (laughs) This is Potapalooza, an air venture forum featuring aviation podcasters from across America. These aviation fans create audio programs distributed on the Internet to audiences around the world. And now they're taking the stage to meet fans, compare notes, share stories, lots of stories, and make a little music now and then. Welcome to all of you listening at home and on all the ships and sea. It's time for Potapalooza on EAA
5: Radio.
6: All
4: right, <laughs> folks, welcome to Oshkosh and Patapalooza 2010, we're happy to be chatting with you once again, live and in person. Uh, we're going to real quick just kind of go down the line here and introduce ourselves, Uh we have a group that's a lot bigger than it was last year. I think there's about twice as many aviation podcasts as we had last year, which is really cool. So uh, let's uh, start down here. Robert, go ahead. Uh, name the show. Hey,
7: everybody. This is Robert Sigliano with the New Pilot Pod blog. Doug Hyman with the Mile High Flyers.
8: Elizabeth Daniels, uh, adjunct to the Mile High Flyers.
9: <laughs> uh, Mike Daniels from the Mile High Flyers.
10: And Nate Dewar with the Mile High Flyers. I'm Mark Tupper from AirPigs.com.
11: Steve Tupper, sometimes known as Stephen Force, from Airspeed. Bill Williams from the Pilot
0: Cast and the Student Pilot Cast. I'm Kent Tiffany Shook. from the Pilot Cast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany
4: will be here momentarily, but I'm uh, Kent Shook from the Pilot Cast. And I'm uh, Rob Mark from the Airplane Geeks. And I'm uh, Mike Stu from the
12: Pilot's Journey. And I'm Pilot Stu from the Pilot's Journey podcast. And I'm CFI Stu from the Pilot's Journey podcast. Does this work?
13: <laughs>
14: that That didn't be I'm Dave Higna with Uncontrolled Airspace. And I'm Jack
15: Hodgson with Uncontrolled Airspace. And I'm Jeff Burnside with Uncontrolled Airspace.
4: And we have something uh, really special that happened this year. Uh, some of us who have been doing this for a while remember the days when we were going around and talking to vendors and they would say, you do a what? But uh, we got some real recognition this year in the podcasting community, and uh, here to prevent an award is Michael Maya-Charles, who's a longtime pilot and aviation writer and the brand-new editor of Flying Magazine. So, Michael, take it away.
6: Thank you, guys. You know, I met Gordon Baxter... Back in the 70s somewhere, probably 73, 74, when we used to do the uh, daily for the Reading show, Reading, Pennsylvania. And Gordon would be really interested in this tonight because Gordon was actually a radio announcer long before he could spell Flying Magazine. Yeah. So he spent years and years and years on the air. He was the good morning voice of one of the stations down in Beaumont and Silsby and that whole area of the, of the Texas. And I think it'd be kind of fascinating for him to look back down on us and say, well, you know what? Here, these guys are doing the same thing I used to do. It's a little bit different twist. I got a great Gordon Baxter story that you might enjoy. When I met Gordon, he wore a pair of very simple canvas shoes. He was a very simple guy. In fact, he was very much like the guy that you read in the pages of Flying Magazine when he used to write back Seat. And on his canvas shoes... On the right shoe, it said, shoe. It was printed in very large block letters. On the left shoe, it said, other shoe. (laughs) I suppose that helped him dress in the morning. Well, I'm going to present a wonderful uh, tribute, if you will, or award, really, to... The writers who best personify the excitement and romance of grassroots aviation, which is what Gordon did so well for so many years at Flying Magazine. We're going to award it this year to three gentlemen who, of course, do uncontrolled airspace. Those three guys are Jack Hodgson, Dave Higdon, and Jeb Burnside. was good. And I can tell that the stage crew needs a little bit of lubrication because it was supposed to show up about that time with all the applause, but we have the awards sitting here someplace. We'd be happy to get there. There they are right there. There they are right there. A little belated, but nonetheless
14: well-deserved. This was one of the doubts. I'd never actually seen
6: this. i just read about it. This is nice. This is how we do live radio, folks. So here we are to Dave Higdon for the backseat award. Dave, thank you. Congratulations. Carrying, carrying on the tradition of Gordon Baxter. Jeb Burnside, right here. Jeb? Thank you very much. And last but not least, the boss, Jack Hodgson. Jack? Congratulations. It's really congratulations. Really all his fault. i turn it back over to you, Dave.
4: All right. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you. And also thanks to you guys for uncontrolled airspace. Absolutely. May not have been first, but boy, you've kept plugging every single week for a long, long time.
15: I think it's been a long road to hoe, uh, but um, it makes it worthwhile, and um, we're just happy to kind of uh, break new ground, if you will, for new media. Uh, In this arena, Um, we didn't we didn't get here by ourselves, and we're not going to go forward by ourselves. So thank you all. Also,
1: can
5: I ask a question? Did did all the beer in front of you guys have anything to do with winning the award? (laughs) Well,
15: it's
14: it's it's very very humbling and and, and quite an honor and having gotten to know gordon a little bit with us years ago on the on the daily uh it was just very intriguing to be recognized for participating in an opportunity to shoot off my mouth once a week so to uh (laughs) flying magazine and eaa all i can say is i guess you aren't going to do a recount after all so thanks
16: (laughs) i mean likewise um I never met Gordon Baxter, but um, I was a huge fan, and uh, his work is, has always been high in my mind in all of the aviation work I've done. Um, I you know I, I loved all his stories, I believed in all his values, and uh, and I've tried to kind of carry them on a little bit in my little way, and uh, and and we kind of semi consciously, consciously did that with the podcast as well. So this is just an, an extra special treat and an honor, and we're just thrilled, and you know, huge thanks to Flying Magazine and to EAA for making this happen. Well, Jack, thank you. I, I know that uh, you do just an insane
4: amount of work to keep uncontrolled airspace going. Uh, the pilot cast has been around a year longer on the calendar, but we're uh, somewhat less than half the number of episodes that you guys have cranked out. And uh, I know exactly how much work that is, and I have an entire crew helping me do what you do, and so I'm really impressed with the, uh, the level of what you do with that.
16: All it, all it really requires is being willing, willing to do it every week, even if you have nothing to say. And... <laughs>
15: Well, that's exactly right, but uh, uh, I'd also like to take a moment to thank Jack both for, for starting this uh, uh, starting us down this path uh, uh, four years ago um, this week and uh, recognize him for his foresight and, and uh, the, all the hard work he's put in. He's put in far more far more hours than, than Dave or I have. I uh, also like to recognize uh, Randy. Uh, Randy Dufoe, one of our uh, uh, regular guests, uh, Amy Labota was around here somewhere. Uh, another regular guest, uh, James Winbrandt, um, also a, a, a regular guest, has uh, is on assignment tonight for the for the daily newspapers. I understand, so he couldn't be here. But uh, uh, and finally, uh, just thanks to Michael Maya Charles. Uh, uh, used to edit him back in the old avweb days and uh, i guess things have come full circle again so we'll shut up with all of that and uh, just uh thank you all again and uh, just just very very appreciative and, and uh, very humbled by this whole thing
4: My right, one thing i actually really enjoy on uncontrolled airspace is that you know we've had some some people who have been in this business for a long time who have passed along, and
14: Dave seems to have known all of them. <laughs> well, I've, I've used this line not because it's, it's just a good line. It's true. Time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. I'm actually 215. <laughs>
4: Anyway, one of the things that I really enjoy is when uh, when you guys mention their passing, Dave, you, you give just the best descriptions of these people. Uh, for those of us who didn't meet Gordon Baxter, could you talk a little bit more about him?
14: Well, Michael's story about the, the, the writing shoe and other shoe... Uh, it's kind of legendary and it was very strange to see that it was true. Uh, he turned in columns for us at what at the time was called EAA Today, handwritten in ink on a 14 inch long legal pad. There were no misspellings, there were no strike throughs, no punctuation errors, and they read like poetry. I mean, they were just wonderful s- stories. So I half the time figured he was a space alien because no human being could do that and not spend hours copying it over and over again. He was relaxed. He loved being around people. He loved hearing their stories. Uh, Great listener. Uh, Never got to fly with him. That's the biggest thing I I, I miss about the opportunity to be around him. But he... uh, personified a lot of what you see and and feel in this place uh, where people just love to get together people who love flying love to get together and live it, breathe it, sleep it for a few days at a time Gordon was one of those folks fortunate enough to get to do that on almost a weekly basis and uh, someday there'll be somebody else like him come along and the comparisons will, uh, will be strong and then they'll name an award after that guy too uh, it's just uh, amazing to be considered in the same vein of him at all. So, and now you've got to have something else to talk about. <laughs> <laughs>
4: well, I just wanted to make sure that uh, we gave him and you guys all the all the recognition that you deserve. But. Uh... What we're going to do now, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back in a few minutes live on EAA Radio. We are in the Honda Forums Plaza main stage, Pavilion 7. So if you're out there listening to us on the radio, feel free to come down and join us. We'll have some fun, and we'll talk about airplanes.
3: EAA Radio, heard around the pattern
13: and
11: around the world.
12: They may call it new media, but it's probably just your creek neighbor and his computer's in the basement. Welcome back to Potapalooza 2010 on EAA Radio.
4: All right, folks, once again, for those of you who are listening out there on the radio, uh, we'd love it if you'd come down and join us on the main stage in the Honda Forums Plaza just south of the Warbirds. Uh, I guess... Next thing uh, we'd like to talk about a little bit. Uh, we're going to get to airplanes, I promise. But the uh, there are a lot of new podcasts this year. Uh, almost that whole, t- yeah, pretty much that whole last table is new That's folks. So, um, what
10: got What got guy You guys started? Oh my! Do I have to take that? Yeah, um, yeah. Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just point over there. Oh, can't point, point, on over, the radio here, radio. point huh. over here and point over here, and that pretty much covers it. Yeah, uh, I actually. It. Actually, nice told house. Steve last another event, and I said, uh, "Steve, it's all your fault."
9: <laughs> and I immediately did this. Yeah, uh, uh, it, I always blame Nate.
10: Viral. Uh, that's the answer for that. It's viral. It. Uh, you, you get an idea in your head that, well, if they can pull that off, I can do that. And then you go try to do it, and you go, "Man, this is harder than I thought it was." <laughs> <laughs> hours editing a uh, half an hour worth of audio, and then you email Jack, and you go, "Do you do this too?" <laughs> So that's how. By the way, I have to throw in here. We forgot to mention is not here tonight. Uh, so we have another cast member that's not here. So Zaiola, if you're out there listening, I hope you are. Um, we're sorry you couldn't be here.
9: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: we got started. Um, pure social media over Twitter is what – that's another thing that – this is Doug from the Mile High Flyers, by the way. Um, and and we still haven't – everybody still hasn't met everybody face-to-face. Um, but between social media, uh, podcasting, Twitter – um, we, Nate actually had the idea and said hey do you want to do a podcast and I was like well yeah sure and that's, that's what started it and we're getting a little bit better every time but listening to you guys really, you um, Cap and, and, and everybody else up here is, is what inspires
7: us. Absolutely. Uh, this is Robert Siglano from the New Pilot Pod blog. Well I, I got my ticket in December two thousand and eight and I grew up my um, grew up in my pilot training listening to airspeed and Ucap and everybody else pilot cast CFI cast which I hope it comes back because I love the CFI cast um, so I got my ticket and I decided you know to start talking about my experiences as a new pilot and it 's sort of a way for me to blog about and record my experiences but also i 'm hoping to get You know, I knew that I had doubts when I first started flying. And there were times where I didn't know whether I could continue or wanted to continue. But I figured, but I got through it, and I'm glad I did. And I figured if I can talk about my experiences, maybe I can help that one pilot who may be having doubts. Or maybe that one pilot who's thinking about starting, the person thinking about starting. Or the pilot who stopped and uh, uh, hoped maybe to get them back in the air. But it's really just talking about my experiences and chronological uh, them, and um, just you know, just helping maybe get another pilot in the air.
4: I'm curious, Robert. Uh, did you get any help with your flying from being a podcaster? Did you get some feedback the other way with people uh, writing in and, and giving you some hints on what was going on with your training?
7: Um. Well, I, I did my podcast after I got my license. So you talk about while I was, no, but I I tell you, uh, and I said this in the forums with UCAP uh, and with airspeed and with the finer points, you know, when I was training, when I wasn't flying, that kept me going, that really kept my head in the game, that really kept my enthusiasm up. And the finer points really helped me, you know, the little 10 minute uh, flight lessons little 10-minute flight lessons uh and ucap and airspeed keeping me going keeping me enthusiastic about my flying on those downtimes and when i had doubts about continuing
9: as a former student pilot listening yeah. to all the podcasts <laughs> yes uh, th- yeah thank you for guys. those who congratulations don't
4: know. to mike he just got his private last week right? yeah, on the 20th yeah.
6: <laughs>
9: congratulations
11: Sometimes known as the Will Hawkins Award.
9: (laughs) Thank you. Well, I I found podcasts when I was listening to them to be very useful in uh, not just the knowledge, but in the motivation. Like Robert was saying, you know, sometimes you're looking at yourself going, I don't know that I can do this, and maybe I should, you know, maybe I'm wasting my time. Um, but listening to the podcast and the voices in your head so to speak it was just a way uh, to keep my enthusiasm up and keep me interested I find it very good and I've heard that from pilots that don't even listen to podcasts since I started this that you know when you can't fly you need to keep enthusiasm up or you'll walk away from it and I think podcasts are very very useful for that
0: so uh, besides having new podcasts uh, this year I think we've had a few changes as well Um, there was a new podcast last year uh, called Pilot's Journey Podcast uh, And I think there's there's been a little bit of a change Can you guys explain what's, what's happened? Well, two stews weren't enough
12: So we added Mike Stew He had to kind of change <laughs> his name to make it work But uh, Mike Hart was one of our guests uh, I don't remember what episode it was But we had great feedback from that And uh, neither of the stews are that talkative And
0: Mike fills in that gap for us <laughs> Whether I have something to say or not he he's he must be the Kent of the pilot pilot's journey podcast. <laughs> I often draw that comparison. <laughs> now I was just going to
4: mention that uh, I've heard the UCap guys talking about Idaho Mike, which
17: that's you, right? So uh, you've been on their forums and everything, so. Right, you know, the the whole podcasting thing, I think, again, it's almost like a 12-step program, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It needs one. You're, you're, you're going through whatever level, st- stage of training, you're out there trying to consume media, you're re- checking websites, you bump into the podcast, and then you're, you really get addicted. And uh, I kind of blame, uh, well, UCAP and, and the whole, again, the whole <laughs> panoply of uh, podcasts for the fact that I, ended up getting my license or not getting, refreshing my license, then also buying an airplane because they talked me into that basically, or at least that's where, uh, convinced me that I could own an aircraft and, and kind of went in with my eyes open because of the advice and hearing about, you know, all the maintenance issues and yes, I've had them. Uh, the, uh, but the, uh, the whole encouragement of listening to that, getting back now, I'm working on the IFR. The one thing is I, I started listening to airplane geeks, and suddenly I, I had no interest in the airline industry, and now I actually do. So so just don't try to talk it's me. It's not because of me, I'll tell you that. That's the end. <laughs> just, just don't try. I, I, I'm not going to try to buy an airline, okay? <laughs>
12: But can you quote seat pitch? <laughs>
5: but, but you know something I was going to mention that somebody mentioned before about uh, uh, being a, a listener and then somehow one day being on the show, and and that's the nice thing I think about this medium is that you know we're all you know I, none of us are radio guys at least I don't think so by by trade but but you know we hear somebody you go no you've got a pretty good opinion there you know and you're not afraid of a f- afraid to you know talk about it and we go hey. You want to be a guest host? And they go, oh, yeah, great. And then you get these great
12: T-shirts. I mean, and there you go. <laughs> Been there, got the T-shirt. Uh,
0: also, the uh, the pilot cast had a little bit of rebirth this year as well. And so there are um, a couple of new... Yeah. Yeah. By the way, folks,
4: that is Steve Tupper's fault. So
0: uh... no question about it.
4: I also uh, have to thank uh, Stu, Pilot Stu here from the Pilot's Journey podcast, actually edits our podcast as well, and that takes just a huge load off, and we would not have been able to come back without his work, too, so big uh, thanks to Stu.
0: He is definitely a master of audio, no question about it. So Tiffany is out in the audience here. Tiffany is one of the new hosts, and she's going to be roving around here in a minute and and of course uh um i was i uh uh produced the student pilot podcast and am now one of the hosts of the pilot cast as well and i'm honored to be so tiffany um, do you have anybody out there that uh that has any questions
18: any questions anybody want to be on the show anybody who wants to say something
4: real quick about what we do and we want to move on to airplanes then but uh we've always gotten some good feedback when we do this as to if if you guys think we should do something a little different or uh something you'd like to see and uh we actually have some stuff that we heard about last year that i'm still working on bringing out but uh yeah let's hear your suggestions
6: well, Tiffany, I have to say, other than you, I don't see a whole lot of females up there. We've got this young lady, but come on, Kent, what's up? <laughs>
4: hey, I, I brought Tiffany onto the pilot cast as the first regular female
0: crew member of a podcast. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think I think he's maybe talking about a sex change for you. Oh. Wow.
11: And moving on. Anybody else? Right. (laughs) That's why a lot of the Airspeed
18: episodes are audio only. Yeah, no kidding. I actually uh, was talking to one of our friends who's um, getting into aerobatics, and she said, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to be on EA Live the other night. Candy? I'm the fifth person listening, but uh, she got on the show and she had a blast and loved it. And since she's doing uh, acro, I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out to uncontrolled airspace, who is not here tonight. That you should definitely, or no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, is it inverted cast? What's the acro inverted one? cast? Yeah. Inverted cast. I think it's Mark and those guys that they should get in touch with Candy, and they can do that through getting in touch with me because we need more girls. <laughs> just. Well, and we also have Ziola. She's not here tonight, so. Yep.
8: I- I'm, I'm sort of uh, filling in a little bit for Ziola. She couldn't be here, but. Th- One of the nice things I find, um, being the wife of a newly minted pilot who does plan to get her pilot's license as well, but being very new to the whole aviation experience, is that it's really nice with with our podcast that Ziola is there. She's such an accomplished pilot, and she's also so accomplished in so many other ways. And she really adds a nice flavor and balance and brings a whole other perspective to the whole thing. So it's it's really nice uh, coming from my perspective, being new and sort of approaching it. As, as um, someone who who is just beginning to embrace all of this, so I agree. We need a lot more women and go, go women, go girls, yes. go and, to and, <laughs> and more Hawaiians. What's that? And more Hawaiians. Oh, yes, Hawaiians. more Hawaiians, exactly. <laughs>
18: more Hawaiians. Are there any other questions out here? <laughs> uh, <right>. no sir. <laughs>
4: now nah. nah, we're. we're, we're uh,
5: do you have a question?
18: We might have a question I, for an you. An airline,
5: he's an airline guy. He looks, he, he looks like Tiffany's
18: picking We're going to put off. you on the question spot why think
13: he has a question. Uh, What's your name? I'm Brian Lusk, and I'm with Southwest Airlines, and I'm uh, in the communications department, and I also manage our corporate blog, and that's about Southwest.
18: Oh, wow. Great. Nice.
13: And, and Since we're are, here, that's...
18: and we don't have, I don't happen to have a computer in front of me, do you have anything you'd like to let us know about?
13: Well, we're really excited. This is our first year to participate in Air Venture, and uh, tomorrow we'll have one of our uh, 737s wearing a special Air Venture decal that will be in Aero, Show, Aero Shell Square. Uh, it's arriving at 8 a.m. and I'll be here till uh, 1800. And uh, we'll have some of our uh, pilots, our RNP experts, will be there. So stop by and. Uh, They'll explain uh, our procedures and uh, we hope everyone will come by and uh, talk to our uh, employees. We're really excited, and we'll also have uh, be giving away a trip to Tampa for everyone that tours our airplane. They'll get a souvenir uh, boarding card and with a little stub, and we'll have a drawing for a vacation to Tampa.
18: Oh, that's great. When's the plane gonna leave?
13: It'll leave at uh, six o'clock.
18: Six o'clock. Okay, very cool, and that's going to be an Aeroshell Square.
5: Yeah, it'll be an Aeroshell Square. Yeah, see Brian, when you start using those big numbers like eighteen hundred, you're really <laughs> <kinda> <laughs> throwing us. So six p.m. six p.m. You know, and and one nice thing I have to tell you that having worked with Brian before on some other things, I've got a really cool blow up Southwest Airlines hat. It's a plastic. Seven thirty-seven.
18: Why are you not wearing uh, that right and, now?
5: and I didn't bring it. I, <laughs> this I, I may really, be the
18: only I, appropriate place that you I could wear that hat. Lie. That's what I was thinking.
13: <laughs> and I've got good news for you. They're
18: giving out the band is you.
13: full of them.
18: Oh,
5: cool. <laughs> All right.
4: We'll have those on tomorrow. <laughs>
18: That's great.
4: All right, well, we're going to take another quick break here, and uh, we're going to come back, and I'm going to ask Dave Higdon if he found anything he won't fly yet. So come on down to <laughs> Pavilion Number 7 here in the Honda Forums Plaza and uh, continue listening on EAA Radio if you can't join us in person, and we'll be right back.
2: what you reckon, Steve? Pretty cunning idea of mine to fly a hot air balloon over to Oshkosh, yeah? Absolutely, mate. Whereabouts are we right now? I think we're about a third of the way there, mate. We're well and truly over the Pacific. We're getting a good breeze here. I think we've got just the right altitude. Should get us there to Oshkosh in a couple of
19: days, mate. Awesome. I can't wait to get there. It was for 2010, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, yeah. We'll get there. Come on, man. Balloons are cool. It's the best way to fly. Anyhow, um, okay, so that's that tank sort of running low. I'd better get ready to... Steve, where are all the other tanks gone? Tanks? What tanks? You know, the big cylindrical things full of LPG that we burn to keep the balloon in the air? Oh. Hmm. That that whole compartment of this basket should be full of them. I didn't think we
19: needed them. I chucked them out.
2: Mate, all I can see in here is a lunch bag and a didgeridoo. I <laughs> need more room for my lunch. Oh no. This thing can't fly without any more gas. Uh, I've, I've drained all the gas in the tanks in this compartment. Mate, we've got a bit of a problem here. here. You mean we're not going to make it this year? Mate, we may not be able to make it ever at this rate. Hang
19: on mate, you've got a mobile phone, haven't you? Give it to me and I'll call Steve Tupper.
2: Yeah, here you go, mate. It's a sat phone. It's got coverage. Beautiful.
6: It's time for Airspeed.
11: I'm Stephen Forrest.
2: Steve, Steve, it's us. We're not going to be able to make it. Quick, record this and play it for everyone.
19: Cue the iPod. It's been a big 12 months down here in Australia for Plane Crazy Down Under. Grant, what have we been up to since the last Oshkosh?
2: Oh, mate, drinking lots of beer, hanging out, watching planes, doing some more fly. Oh! all the important stuff. Ah, oh, yeah, we've we've interviewed uh, some really cool people.
19: Over the last 12 months, Plane Crazy Down Under has developed and had some of the biggest guests in the Australia-Pacific region. Red Ball racer, Matt Hall. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, I always enjoy talking
0: to you guys, and uh, as I said last time, it's a great concept, great product, and uh, you're easy to- to talk to. And
3: Nigel Lamb. That's always the aim. I mean, you know, not just to get on the podium, but just to, to get up as
0: high as, as you can. And Hannah Sark.
13: Well, thank you very much, guys. And as I said, I think it's really cool if we got guys like you guys going more into details, treating that like a sport. And I think that helps all of us. So thanks a lot. Great job from your side.
2: Yeah, they're all pretty happy with the ability to chat with aviation podcasters and really get the information across that uh, they just can't tell people when they talk to the news agencies. We've also
19: had legendary Australian pilots like Australia's first female airline pilot Deborah Lurie. It started back
3: in 1978 when I first applied to ANSET and also TAA as it was known in those days.
2: We've also had some great Australian pilots who went on some amazing adventures. There was Owens Up who flew a Jabiru, one of Australia's best little aircraft, right round the country visiting various historical sites in the process and raising money for the Royal Flying Doctors
19: Service. G'day guys, how are you? Along with Ken Evers and Tim Price who recently flew a Gippsland aeronautics air van right around the world. I got my pilot's licence up in New Guinea.
1: Dad had a private pilot, licence so uh, he taught me where to spend money as soon as I started earning some and sort of went from there and then I finally got a love for it and ended up getting a commercial and heading up to New Guinea and flew up
2: there for a few years. That was pretty impressive.
19: With regular news and views on the Australia Pacific aviation industry with regular segments including history with David Vanderhoof.
13: This
11: is David Vanderhoof the playing crazy down under historian. I'm here with Craig Brooks. Uh, Craig is the flight engineer of Canadian Warbird Heritage's Lancaster. And the view from the
2: lounge with Anthony Simmons, who flies a lot but isn't a pilot. Statistically, I'm more likely to die from an accident with a cow than one with an aeroplane.
19: And let's not forget our regular air traffic control segment with Ben Ippolito. My name's Ben, and I'm an air traffic controller at the On Control Centre here in Melbourne, Australia. And even this bloke. Hey, this is Rob Mark from jetway.com. Playing Crazy Down Under is also an active participant in the growing Worldwide aviation podcast community, along with our regular Australia desk report on the Airplane Geeks podcast,
2: and our soon to be appearing Flying in Australia segment coming up on Flight Time Radio with Milford and Charlie.
19: With 37 episodes completed, Plane Crazy Down Under has quickly established itself as the region's premier aviation podcast. Stop by for a visit at planecrazydownunder.com and remember it's what's down under that counts. Oh, mate, I'm really bummed about this.
2: I really wanted to be there this year. Oh, well, maybe in 2011. Yeah, maybe, but Steve, you know how you know how we like to say it's what's down under the count? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, try not to
12: look down because we're going to be down under the water real soon now, mate. Oh, no, boy. The voices in your head are coming together and organizing. This cannot be good. It's Potapalooza on EAA Radio.
4: I would really like to thank Stephen Grant from the Played and Crazy Down Under podcast for saying hi to us up here, and we really hope they can make it here in person next year. And if, if I can mention
5: something, the uh, the Played and Crazy guys, uh, you know, do some work with Airplane Geeks every week. They do a nice segment for us, and they're. You know, fairly talented guys. I mean, if you like that. You know, I mean, it's not—it's not that they're—it's not that we're feeling, you know, threatened by them or anything like that. I don't think. But anyway, we're all taking up a fund. We're taking a collection up. So if anyone wants to throw into the kitty, I'll have my hat out and I'll be sure that they get the money to come up.
4: So just, just put it right up here.
5: Uh, Steve Grant. Okay.
4: Yeah, they're breaking the rules. We told them last year when we played their little intro that anybody who joins us remotely, even by uh, recording like that, has to be here the next year. So uh, now they have to be here at least the next two years, I think. Exactly. (laughs) So, of course, now the question is on everybody's mind. Has Dave Higdon found anything he won't fly yet?
14: You mean here this week? Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Have you found anything that you haven't flown yet? Uh, way too much to, to, to list I yeah. uh, flew a single seat part 103 hot air balloon years ago but have not yet done the multi helium routine but I have this fear of clowns that comes back every time I see those kind of balloons so. well let's go with some of the, the people who have
4: uh, not been here before who on stage has not been to Air Venture before? Wow, yeah. So they're wow, not only new to podcasting, they're new to Oshkosh. Does your being here have anything to do with the podcast,
9: or did you all just randomly decide to show up this year? I'll answer that. Um, I've actually been to Oshkosh. I just haven't been to AirVenture. I was here in January, and then I was here over a year ago in June, and I actually hired a... Instructor in a Cessna over here, so I could do some pattern work and have it in my logbook that I took off and landed at Kosh. Do wait, we, wait a minute, do you mean, mean this calendar? place exists the rest of the year? <laughs> <laughs> okay. It does. And ironically enough, I do a lot of business where I fly in and out of Milwaukee throughout the year. So I, I have to drive up here once in a while, I'm in and out of Appleton. Um, I've been an aviation nut. Uh, the majority of my life I get it from my father and Oshkosh is the place to go if you're an aviation nut so I've been wanting to go and wanting to go and this year we just had to do it especially after we pulled Sun in front off for the first time
0: too. so oh, sorry I probably shouldn't say that here uh, I've got a question for you so um, since most of us don't ever fly here uh, when it's when it's air ventures not going on when you're doing pattern work pattern work do you rock your wings <laughs> <laughs> uh, No.
9: But taking off of the lake under you is a little uh, uh, new for me since I live in Las Vegas and although we have a big lake there I don't fly near it that often
4: all right so for those of you who have not been here before what's the coolest thing you saw this
7: week coolest thing the coolest thing you know what first time here I'm so overwhelmed it's just everything the coolest thing I've seen is everything I think it's what surprised me the most is the different, the amount of variety of the of the planes, you know, from LSAs to you know the C five Galaxy and everything in between. To, you know, it's just amazing. I didn't realize there were so many makes and models of airplanes. It's amazing, and I did come here specifically for Potapalooza, not for the airplanes. Wow, glad to hear it.
4: You know, it actually reminds me of a couple of years ago. Uh, Bill had not been to Oshkosh before, and Troy Wistman, who is now our announcer for the pilot cast, it was his first time here also, and I flew down to Milwaukee in the 182 to pick both of them up, uh, Bill on Tuesday and then Troy on Friday, so I had been here since Sunday, and of course, I had been at AirVenture before, and Bill had been here since Tuesday, so it was at least a three-day veteran, and well, we fly in, and of course, you know, there's airplanes everywhere up there, but they're all Cessnas, and we get the plane parked, and we're starting to, you know, go to the bus stop to wait for the bus to come around to come down into the show. And, and Troy's like, oh, look, a P-51. And, you know, Bill and I are just like, yeah, whatever. Because, <laughs> you know, that, that's a good day at any other airport or any other time of the year. But, uh, you know, there's, it is very overwhelming how much stuff is here. So,
0: By the way, I don't think it gets better. I, this is my third year. Um, I don't know about the guys that have been here for many, many more years, like Mark. Uh, but so. it's overwhelming every year. So, yeah, Well, I, uh, one of the things I do, I put up a post uh,
5: now, both this last year and this year that uh this year it was oshkosh 10 is going to be the best oshkosh ever and the reason for that is the best oshkosh ever is the one you're at right now <laughs> and that's really true i think anyway um the experience is just unbelievable this is my 34th year at least that's what i've been saying i think that's accurate so i was here the first year in 1970 as a nine-year-old kid so um and it's just an amazing place
1: it really is
8: I can't tell you the uh, coolest thing I've seen, but I can tell you the coolest thing I've done so far, which is fulfilling a lifelong dream to try welding. So I attended the welding workshop today, and I welded for the first time. It was fantastic. So we're here. better than the first
1: any of the welds I've ever done, so Woo-hoo. nice
8: job. I've got a gift.
5: <laughs> That's a very cool, um, uh, what is that exactly?
1: Um, well, you know they're building a plane, and I think this might be an aileron, or... or well, it's, it's, it's awesome. It could be a, a sh- seat, I'm not sure which. I,
15: I it's think even Higdon would fly that.
1: Wheelchock. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. <so. laughs> it could really be a wheelchock. Cool. It's <laughs> airplane.
15: Is a it's a very nice, nice wheelchock.
1: It's got a handle. I think, I, think I had a
10: comment about the, uh, the coolest thing I've seen as a new person in Oshkosh, and it wasn't a thing. It was a size. And uh, Doug kind of pointed it out last yesterday or so. I've, I've had some various problems getting in and out of the airfield, driving around Wisconsin way too much. We learned a lesson on not to do that. Kent and Doug were uh, chatting last night, and, and, and Kent looks at me and he goes, You realize that Camp Scholar starts at the tree line there, and they have street signs? And I said, Yeah, I know they got street signs. I understand. I got the map, you know, I, I know what's going on. He goes, You realize it goes to 96th Street before you get to the next road. <laughs> just in the same thing everywhere you go on the field it's like one little piece of oshkosh is an entire air show back home one little piece of it and so this that's just the size completely
4: actually i got a, a really good appreciation for the size of the show last year you know when you're up flying an airplane it kind of seems yeah it's not that big you can see the whole thing right and uh, when you're on the ground, of course, you can't hardly see any of it. But I got to go up in the control tower last year. And that's at just the right level. And, you know, you're low, but you're not having to fly an airplane. And so you can just kind of pause and look around and just say, wow. I mean, it's a city. And it's it's heaven. Any any other uh, new people here that uh, saw something really cool?
18: Well, you know, can't it's not my first year. It's my second year. But I would say... What surprised me this year uh, is not what I saw, but it's who I saw. And being able to interview all the foundations that we did with the Lightspeed um, Aviation Foundation and getting to getting to know people, Lynn from Build a Plane and Bruce Wolf from Brigade Air and the 99s and getting to hear more about what all these great organizations are doing. I, I think that really put it into perspective for me of how important this is and how amazing this community is and it's really only at Oshkosh that you can get all those groups together. I mean, you've got Sun and Fun, yeah, but but not all of them are there and, and here we had so many different groups coming together and talking about all the amazing things they're doing and then, you know, afterwards we stopped by Build-A-Plane and we saw Brigade Air who is kind of like Young Eagles but camps and they've got the kids flying all the time talking to build a plane who brings the planes in and has the kids build them so you've got one group who's building pilots and another group who's growing amps and i watch them get together and talk about how they could kind of form a bond and start working as a team and it's just it's amazing to see what oshkosh can do as far as building our community and the airplanes are cool too.
4: (laughs) (laughs) definitely
12: well, it's uh, my first time here at Oshkosh, and uh, I'm going to have to give a quick shout-out to Mike Hart, who uh, paid my way up to Salt Lake City and picked me up in his 182, and uh, we flew over from uh, Salt Lake City to Oshkosh in that, what uh, was it, 12 hours? Yeah, yeah 12.3, 12.4,
17: depending 12.3, on how you measure
12: it. 12.3, <laughs> 12.4, great adventure, dodging thunderstorms and mountains and... Uh, uh, making it in in almost marginal VFR and um, uh, two hours of actual two hours of actual and uh, so uh, I, I don't know if there's any one thing I can say it was my favorite here but um, I'm just trying to enjoy the overall experience of Oshkosh the flying in, rocking your wings over a fisk um, pitching the tent, getting to meet the people and uh, uh, and <laughs> meeting all you guys for the first time too because I felt I've known all of you for so long on Twitter and um, yeah. I know all of you by your Twitter names. I can't really recite all of your actual names yet <laughs> but, <laughs> but hopefully that'll be the time I leave and um, actually meeting the UCAP guy for first time too uh, you, uh, you're actually I can contribute you or I guess Mike Hart said it best at uh, just blame UCAP because uh, uh, you're the guys, uh, the reason why I got into podcasting in the first place, and uh, I'm really glad to meet you guys for the first time and share those beers with you the other night. We'll have a waiver for you to sign a little bit later on. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You can send the uh, money to stew at gmail.com, and uh, my PayPal is all there, too. So.
17: <laughs> I think for me, one of the, the big things, uh, in fact, actually, the real the highlight was flying here. Uh, you know, our, Oshkosh is about aviation, aviation is about flying, and the actual flying to get here was pr- one of the big highlights. Uh, it was also really cool. Uh, this was the first time to actually meet both of the other stews uh, and put faces with the people who I've been podcasting with. Who were, and So that was now, kind of a, a, an interesting thing. Now
12: let me tell you a little something about Mike Hart here. Uh, when I said camping and pitching a tent by the aircraft, that's a very loose relative term with Mike. I think he brought an entire kitchen with him, including the sink. There is an actual sink, and uh, uh, you gotta love 182s. Uh, yeah. Roger that. Yeah, and uh, you know, computer servers and his laptops out and MyFi going and really roughing it out there with his. You know, uh, generators and cell phone chargers and his iPad and iPhone and Apple MacBook all going at once right under the wing of the aircraft. Hey, that's, why,
16: the, that's why the rest of us can't get on the Wi Fi. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So
0: now blame Mike. I, I am a hotspot. Uh, Mike, Mike, is this your first Oshkosh?
17: Uh, yeah, yeah, this is the first time here. So, and, and it, one of the things that was really cool was the fact that, uh, again, what made it possible is watching, uh, again, Kent's video from a, what, that you described earlier was a, it demystified? It's like, oh, you know, I'd heard about the Fisk approach and just sounded, you know, ungodly. Uh, then seeing it, it's like, uh, I can do that. Uh, it looked much more reasonable, but but still intimidating. And then of course, uh, UCAP's always going on about read the note and read the note, and I think more than reading the note, it's it's behaving the notum. it's doing. Uh, and of course, we got the pass because the weather this year. All the general aviation was shut down, so a 1960 airplane got vintage camping, and that was open, and so nobody else could get in but us, so it was kind of, and when I was at Sun and Fun a couple of years back, it was muddy and rainy, so I'm thinking maybe I'm the kiss of death when it comes to, <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't be coming to Oshkosh, yeah, I'm a rain yeah. god. Yeah. Uh, maybe so be, next maybe year leave my, the
4: kitchen sink at home and bring some of that bark with you that they've been spreading yeah,
17: on. Home. Exactly, it could be my fault. Uh, But I think the other, the final thing that that was really fun was just the other night, uh, the one after, at the UCAP meetup, just sitting outside the fence, the planes are taken off, you're there with a bunch of pilots, and uh, you get to enjoy the discussion, and everybody whipping their heads around, what's that, and then just hangar talking in between planes. That was the highlight for
4: me all right well we're going to be doing some more hanger talk here in just a couple of minutes we'll be right back on eaa radio and once again we are live here in the honda forums plaza on the main stage come down and join us if you're here in oshkosh
19: it's a podcast no it's a broadcast no it's streaming on the web
4: no it's all three you're listening to potapalooza on eaa radio (laughs) all right we're back folks uh Thanks for joining us. We are uh, here live on EAA Radio as well as at 4 and 7. And now, I i was just kind of curious. I noticed before we started, there was a line of about a dozen beers sitting in front of the UCAP guys, and they're all gone.
1: Not quite all. Now, was it wasn't a dozen. <laughs> I think Jack's hitting on my wife. <laughs> we, we, should, we should learn from the erectus. Well, I, I noticed, noticed really Dave high. just
4: gave one away, but... Uh, Wow, I'm impressed, guys. <laughs> what about us? I, I guess what we ought to do is we ought to let you talk a little bit.
16: No, no. One of our listeners posted a description of our podcast on the forum um, yesterday or today or something like that. What did he, he described it as a, he said it was a beer podcast with an aviation problem. <laughs> and what's scary is that this, this
14: lovely young student pilot is about 15, 17. He's learning very quickly.
16: <laughs> wow. All right.
13: You now were talking
16: to... You were talking about things we've seen, um, and you were asking the first-timers, and that's great. That's really interesting to hear. I was just going to um, say, let's move on to you guys. I, I'm in the for... middle of the pack. Um, I'm very proud to say this is my 20th consecutive Oshkosh. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 i'm incredibly proud of that until i bump into somebody who's been like 75 years you know <laughs> No, all kidding aside, there are all kinds of people you run across here who have been here 30, 30, 40 years. Um, it's just not unusual at all. But I've been here 20. Um, I'm in the middle of the pack, um, and I still find things that are just astounding. All right, and I, and I just want to call attention to two things. First of all, 21 DC-3s. I mean, was that, who was here the other day when these yeah. things flew? That overhead? was amazing. It was astounding. And what was even more astounding than seeing them fly overhead was when they landed. All right, because they headed out and they went. They were in this. Was formation overhead, and then they went way down over the lake, and they must have, you know, got into trail, and they started landing on one eight, and they just came in one after another, after another, after another, and you just think, okay, that must be all. Nope, there's five more on final. It was, it was a pretty amazing moment, um, and the twenty one that we saw. Someone pointed out to me that the twenty one we saw fly over were just some of them because there were already. Four on the ground, and there were three that were prepping to drop the jumpers for the air show. And the, It's very, very cool to see that many of a particular type, of a classic type here. So that was very cool. The other thing that was really cool, and, and this is kind of a very fleeting thing, but you, if you keep your eyes open, you see these from time to time. Jeb and I had the occasion to do something the other night that we haven't done at Oshkosh in a long time, Therefore. and that is that we went out after hours... After everything had quieted down, and we just went wandering along the flight line, all right, at sunset and a little bit beyond sunset. And we're just wandering around looking at the airplanes. It's a very quiet time, it's beautiful, you know. This year it's a little buggy, all right? there's a little bit, you know, the mosquitoes are a thing, but, but that's, it's worth it. Because we were wandering around looking at all these airplanes, and and so we'd, we'd had this great evening looking at all these airplanes, and we said, okay, it's time to head back, you know, to where we were staying, and so we were crossing back across the flight line, and we were going past Aeroshell Square. And, and we had intended to walk right past, you know, go right past AeroShell Square, but we stopped and we realized that there was just this incredible thing in AeroShell Square. There was a variety of airplanes that night. This is like two, two nights ago, I think. There was a variety of airplanes in AeroShell Square that was just... Unprecedented. I mean, there was there was a 737. There were like three or four DC3s. There were two. Count them. Two B17s. All right. There was an AWACS. There was a there was that heavy lift helicopter. There was an F18. There was a DC7. There was. I mean, it was just astounding the variety of airplanes. Classic, wonderful, old and, and new airplanes. And and man, you know, just I mean, it's you know, it's kind of cliche, but you don't see that anywhere else.
4: No, you really don't, and that's what I love about coming to Oshkosh is every year you get to see something that you've never seen before, generally several somethings you've never seen before. One of my favorite things that I've ever seen here was, uh, it was Sunday a couple years ago, and, and uh, I saw aluminum overcast, probably way up at eight or 10,000 feet, circling around under escort by 10 P50 guns, and that just... Blew me away and uh, yep. yeah that's the kind of stuff i'd absolutely love to see here so deb what have you seen
15: the airplanes of course are, are one of the main attractions for, for one of the main reasons i come to Asia. um i remember it's been probably 10 years or so and, and i can't lay like, claim to 20 years i i have maybe 15 or so under my belt here None, not all of them consecutive but um I remember about 10 years ago, um, um, being out on the North 40, um, dusk, and and going into the evening, um, sitting under the wing of a a, uh, twin beach. And six or eight of us just kind of sitting around in a semicircle. And the bugs weren't a problem. Uh, We had uh, a few beers, I believe. Uh, I don't remember all that well. Um, but it was the people It was the conversation It was the, the retelling and retelling of, of perhaps tall tales But uh, just sharing that camaraderie uh, That to me is, is really the essence of Oshkosh And uh, it, it's uh, That's one of the reasons That's the main reason I come here every year uh, The airplanes are great Walking around, kicking tires um, Don't want to ever minimize that But right up there at the top of the list is is getting together with, of course, these two uh, 'er ne'er-do-wells, meeting Mike Hart. Hart, uh, Mike and I had corresponded. uh, uh, Mike had even written an article or two for for aviation safety. And and, and getting back and seeing Kent and Steve and and everybody else here, Um, that's really the value. Something we only really do once a year. And uh, if we're not here, we're missed. So, uh, for me, that's Oshkosh, and that's uh, the real reason to be here. Amen. Yep. Yep. Definitely.
0: So, Jeff, you have the Debbie here? Yeah, the
15: the Debbie and I made it in close formation uh, all at the same time. Uh, (laughs) Uh, she's parked over at Weeks. Um, uh, I forget where I am right now. Uh, the other side of the field. Um, uh, no, no don't, no, don't even go there. Yeah, no. It, it, the other side of the field. Um, yeah, she's in good shape, and uh, um, uh, hopefully we'll both get home in the same way we got here.
0: She's on tarmac, though,
15: right? Well, she was. Uh, she's on high ground now, but she, she was on pavement um, for a couple of days, actually, after I, after I parked her. Uh, got very lucky and it has more to do with the weather and uh, um, the, the lack of airplanes competing for space over there than any status or, or uh, uh, magical power that I have.
4: Okay, how many of us, uh, including the audience here, who does have an airplane here on the field this week? Who was trying to get onto the field this week and had to leave their airplane somewhere else?
15: Who, who's at Appleton or Fond du Lac or something like that? Yeah.
4: Well, I actually was planning on flying in here Sunday, and things were closed, and I had a, an excellent opportunity. I got to fly a Hawker 800 on Monday. Here we go. So, here we go. I, I, delayed, I, I figured a, Oshkosh get, would get wait for a day. But then I looked in, on the Internet, and they said, hey, camping's open, and... Flew across the lake, tuned in the ATIS, and it was closed. So I ended up just flying home, but uh, how about in the audience? Longer. Who uh, who was going to have an airplane here and, and had to do something else?
14: Yeah, well, that's... We were talking a little bit about things you've seen here, and one of the stranger, eerier things... Earlier, a week or so ago, was what you didn't see here, which was mm-hmm. airplanes. Yeah. there were there were no tents in the North Forty for days, and then tents showed up, but there were tents and no airplanes, and the whole thing felt out of kilter. Oh, uh, and you know, we were here for some of the some of the kick <clears throat> posterior weather that. Made the ground so wet that it wouldn't support aircraft. But a lot of what we were seeing was also because of weather elsewhere, you know, making Jeb's track on FlightAware look like Wrong Way Corrigan. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to Maine, so let's go by way of Dubuque. Uh, nice as job. As try Tim. to take an in run around weather. And there was never a doubt, though, that, that this thing would reconstitute and, and, and collect and People started showing up and populating the parking lots with their RVs, and, and there were hundreds of campers at Fond du Lac, and finally they were able to let some folks in and put them on concrete here. That's when we got the tents. And as weird and as strange as that felt, there was never a moment when it, you couldn't believe that it was going to happen just like it's supposed to before it was all over.
0: For the guys who uh, have been here 20 times or more, Have you ever seen um, weather like this that uh, has caused such a commotion? This is my, I I think, 26th,
14: and I first came here in 81, and I have seen many instances where the storm would leave parts of the ground ponded that would be gone in a few hours. Uh, a couple of instances where the weather that came through was thick enough and hard enough to move airplanes against the tie-downs and and, and topple tents and things like that. But they were always these brief, impulsive, high-energy systems that came through and went away. And this freight train of stuff that came through was beyond anything that I've ever seen.
0: So, in twenty years i'm just I just wanted to know that, so I can be ready in twenty years to say i haven 't seen anything like this since two thousand and ten put it in,
14: put it in flooding terms, I think what we 've had here is a hundred year air show
17: <laughs> well, Rob I, has been saying how many you 've been here, but you have 't said because i know you 're really really old so. <laughs> oh,
5: i 'm not as old i 'm not as old as jack actually we, we were trying to take a poll I, I remember when uh, when they were at Rockford, and uh, that it, that's that's pretty old. So did you go to any ones at Rockford when they were there? What was the question?
14: You did you go to Rockford? No, I missed out on Rockford. Uh, my first show was 81. It came here in 70 from Rockford. Uh, but when, a, when my work first started bringing me up here, there was no headquarters here, there was no museum, there was no Pioneer Airport or the hangars or the Eagle Hangar. Uh, They did have the Weeks Hangar, where they restored and and, and, uh, worked on some of their collection. But most of the collection was down the road in Hale's Hales Corners. Corners. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, And I first came here in 81. And I have seen many instances where the storm would leave parts of the grounds ponded that would be gone in a few hours. Uh, a couple of instances where the weather that came through was thick enough and hard enough to move airplanes against the tie-downs and and, and topple tents and things like that. But they were always these brief, impulsive, high-energy systems that came through and went away. And this freight train of stuff that came through was beyond anything that I've ever seen.
0: So in 20 years, I'm just—I just wanted to know that so I can be ready in 20 years to say I haven't seen anything like this since 2010. Well, put it
17: in—put
14: it in flooding terms. I think what we've had here is a hundred-year air show.
8: Yeah. Well,
17: Rob I, Mark has been saying how many you've been here, but you haven't said because I know you're really, really old. So. <laughs>
5: I, I'm not as old. I'm not as old as Jack. Actually, we, we were trying to take a poll. I, I remember when. Uh, when they were at Rockford, and uh, that it, that's that's pretty old. So, did you go to anyone's at Rockford when they were there?
3: What was the question? You
14: did you go to Rockford? No, Rockford? I missed out on Rockford. Uh, my first show was '81. It came here in '70 from Rockford. Uh, but when a, when my work first started bringing me up here, there was no headquarters here. There was no museum. There was no Pioneer Airport or the hangars or the Eagle Hangar. Uh, they did have the Weeks Hangar, uh, where they restored it and, and, and uh, oh, yeah, worked on some sure. of their collection, but most of the collection was down the road oh, at Hale's, Hales Corner. Corners. That's exactly. right, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that didn't start moving up here until the late '80s, and then it just transformed the place. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely older than me. I, I don't think there's any doubt. Di- yeah. <laughs> uh,
16: <laughs> Thank- thanks for that, Mike. Uh, over to you. Uh, you guys are actually making me feel sorry for Dave Higdon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just want to point out, and to your point, um, uh, Paul Pobrezny himself, the guy who started this whole thing, is has been quoted this week as saying he never saw weather this bad. Yeah. I mean, th- this is this is a, a legendary week. I mean, we will talk about this Oshkosh
15: for years and years to come. And you guys were here. And in, in actuality... You know, It wasn't the weather during the week that was so bad. It was the weather in the preceding two or three weeks that just dumped rain and rain and more rain on on the soil and and, uh, uh, just to the point that it got soaked. I've seen a lot of uh, windstorms and and, and thunderstorms come through here, and uh, uh, everybody kind of hunkers down under the wing or uh, in the tent or uh, uh, in a storefront or something like that until it blows over, and uh, uh, it does blow over. They go back out, they they, uh, uh, repitch the tent, and, and we move on. Yeah. Has anybody else seen the EAA T-shirts, the H two O ten
13: T-shirts? Mm, yeah, yeah.
11: <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah, they were very. They, they made a bunch of uh, different shirts. I think there's like four or five
16: different. You know, Dave, we, you're, you're the one that popularized Sploshkosh. and I think there's a shirt that says Sploshkosh and. Uh, <laughs>
14: What was the other one? Uh, yeah, so s- yeah mud venture. Uh, and some of this was some some of these some of these terms were being planted around four days before the show opened because it was already that wet here. Okay. But yeah, so we didn't right. invent it. We just helped make sure that it got out in front. <laughs>
4: Well, and if anyone's been getting rained on out there, I haven't I haven't seen what's been going on outside, but it was raining a little earlier. Come on down to Pavilion 7. We're, we're warm and dry, and we have free bug spray. If you're out there on the grounds getting eaten, come, down, come on down. See us live. We're going to take a break, and we'll, we'll be right back.
12: You've heard them. You might have listened to them. Perhaps you've even sought them out. And now is your chance to meet the voices in your head. Welcome back to Potapalooza on EAA Radio. All
4: right, folks. Welcome back to Potapalooza 2010. We are live at Oshkosh. We're on EAA Radio. Come on down to Pavilion 7, and uh, you can tell us your weather story. But uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk to a couple audience members now. I want to... Here are a couple more uh, things that went on, and uh, we'll we'll see if we can get some good stories out of this weather thing. So, Tiff, go ahead.
18: Yeah, hey, we're over here with uh, Jim. He's got a Skyline that he has been flying, or should I say, hoping to fly. So, I'm going to turn this over to him, and he's going to tell his wet story. So,
3: So I flew out here from Philadelphia, third time in a row, and course, the goal is to try to get in here. That didn't work because the campground, uh, the North 40 wasn't open for general aviation aircraft at the time. And uh, somebody said I should try to go under uh, vintage. Uh, I'm not sure who I would fool with a 2002 Skylane on that point. <laughs> so I figured I'd go over to um, Fond du Lac. So I drove over to Fond du Lac, checked with them. Do you have room? Oh, yeah, we have room. Will you have room two hours from now? Oh, yeah, we'll have room. Okay. I went down to Milwaukee, got the plane, closed so you got you got kicked out of fond du lac as well yep went up to appleton they have room it's a 20 minute bus ride from the field where they're parking planes all the way back to the terminal not fun that's my story i'm glad to be here however 20 minutes from on the field at appleton to the terminal at appleton because they were so full that they're parking planes on the far side of the airport, and the buses can't cross the runway, so they have to drive around the airport. It was. Just, see what people do to get to Oshkosh? It's at Appleton. Well, yeah, I it one good I, I'm sorry. I'm
14: sorry. I
4: was just going to say when I uh, listened to the ATIS, when I was trying to get in here the other night, and heard that everything was closed i decided i was going to fly over oshkosh anyway and at least give the plane a look at the show and i looked down at the north 40 and i saw all the airplanes crammed up against the ramp over by orion and i saw all the tents all the way down by the warbirds and then people were complaining about twitter or on twitter about having to ride a bus from their airplane to their tent So that's kind of why I decided I was just going to leave the airplane at home and drive up here. And I'm close enough that I have the luxury of being able to do that. But is there anyone else out there who uh, had to leave their plane behind? All right, Tiffany's going to come over to you there. What's your name? My name's Sam. Um,
20: Actually, it wasn't an airplane. I'm a local, and I decided uh, for the second year of my 21 years here at Oshkosh to camp. And uh, so we attempted to pull the camper out of the backyard and it immediately sank up to its axles. So I scrambled and in the last minute I drove three and a half hours further north to get a co-worker's camper and then drive it back down to Oshkosh. I lived 20 minutes away, but the round trip for me
4: was about eight hours.
10: That's dedication. I
4: love it. That, that, that's a, a good sacrifice to be on the field, isn't it? And What do you think yeah. about being on the field? I mean, I, I think that it's a completely different experience to be on the field, and I think everybody ought to do it. So I, I totally agree.
20: Um, I, like I said, I've been coming to Oshkosh for 21 years. I've been volunteering with EA Video for 15 years. And it's a completely different feel to actually be camping in Camp Scholar. Um or Lake Shola, and um, it, it, I, I don't know. It, it's it's almost indescribable. There's the, the sense of community is amazing. You really get to meet, you know, people from all over. My neighbor last year was, you know, from Alabama. This year, you know, we had some people from Ontario. We have, you know, people from Pennsylvania. It's all over the place, right next to us, and it's really cool. To see, I would recommend it to anybody either camping on the North 40 or camping in Camp Shoal or you know, wherever you can, tr- definitely try to do it. It's changed my attitude towards the AALO.
18: Can uh, we rent your house next year and you can have our campsite?
20: <laughs> uh, uh, we might be able to arrange something, yeah.
18: <laughs> 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 <like> house.
14: <laughs> well, it. it just so that people listening out in the rest of the world didn't get, don't get the wrong idea, uh, well. a friend of mine with the FAA confirmed to me this morning that they are not going to add personal flotation devices and life raft equipment to the NOTAM for next year. So.
0: <laughs> Just to put it in perspective a little bit, uh, I found out how much rain that, uh, uh, this area got over the last couple of weeks, and it actually doubled the amount of rain in my hometown for the last year. So it's a lot of water. Oh, cool. For me, it's like the last yeah. Months. Yeah, and it
14: started getting wet and soaked here two weeks before the normal arrival cycle. That's why those last couple of waves of storms it's really got, worked on it. It's gotten
20: wet here all spring and summer. It's been an extremely, extremely wet uh, spring and summer, and I think it really, basically, July. They've all the the, the record was trivial compared to the amount of rain
4: we actually got through the month of July. It was
20: amazing. It's
14: actually put a dent in sunscreen sales in Wisconsin.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Oshkosh actually was not the only field that was closed because of the rain. Uh, Mitchell International in Milwaukee had to be closed because it got flooded. So uh, it's definitely definitely been a very,
17: very wet year here in Wisconsin. Well, you know, that's one of the things that was... uh, Listening, you know, planning a trip from Idaho, knowing it was going to be a long trip, a lot of, a lot of weather between here and there. Uh, listening to the, the updates on the podcast is really helpful, and also following uh, various tweets. Uh, you know, I saw, Nate, you were already here, and were, you, you were saying you had plywood, and it's like, oh, that's a good <laughs> idea. Then I heard uh, UCAP saying, uh, you know... Things to bring to Oshkosh, you know, all the different items, and so that one was one where I, I was again the, the the value of new media was I it was a lot more prepared. Uh, I wasn't prepared for mosquitoes that are squawking twelve hundred, though.
1: <laughs> what?
17: No,
4: you see what happened with the mosquitoes is our state department of aeronautics realized that if they forced them to have N numbers, that they could charge registration fees. <laughs> what the hell on TCAS,
0: though. <laughs> Jack, aren't you supposed to be putting a stop to all this weather talk or something? <laughs> say it again. I'm sorry. Aren't, aren't you supposed to be putting a stop to all this weather talk? Oh man, you, I'm, you, I'm off duty too. You seem to... content.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. By the
16: way, uh, anybody's following Twitter? We, uh, our friends from down under, said hi on Twitter. Yeah. Hi, right, are, are they listening? To They're listening us? on the screen. Yeah. Can you read it for us? Say, huh? Read what it. did it say? Oh, it just says hi. It just says where it go. It says uh, woohoo, PCD—that's their name, PCDU on Twitter. Uh, say hi from down under. It's all so Yeah. All you like.
7: yeah.
11: <laughs> Grant, Stephen, how you doing? Make sure that the that the uh, orangutan holds the uh, uh, the antenna properly this time, so you, yeah. <laughs> you, you can so you can get the screen.
14: Yeah. And all the right. only th- w- w- the only thing we're missing here is a bottle is. is, is a- so,
10: <laughs>
11: couple.
4: <laughs> All right, and we're going to once again take a quick break. Uh, you're listening to Potapalooza 2010 live on EAA Radio. We will be right back.
8: hangar flying, meteorites, and aviation discussions. The hosts of your favorite aviation podcasts come together once again at Whitman Field Regional Airport for Potapalooza 2010 on EAA Radio.
4: All right, welcome back once again to Potapalooza uh, 2010, live on EAA Radio and live in person down here at the Honda Forums Plaza, the main stage, pavilion number no. seven. Real easy to see from the red tram line. We hope you'll come down and join us. Uh, we've had a couple people drifting in throughout the broadcast, and we hope to see some more. And again, we do have free bug spray. Thank you. So, uh, next thing I'd like to talk about real quick is some uh, one of the big issues that's been talked about uh, recently, as well as here, is aviation fuel. Uh, We've probably all heard that uh, the EPA would like us to get rid of the lead and 100 low lead. So, uh, there's been some seminars and such going on this week. And has anybody up here actually attended any of those? Hey, right here. All right. Tiffany go? Yeah. I'm
18: coming.
20: It's <laughs> Sam again. Um, I have attended pretty much the majority of the ones that EA has put on because I've had to record them. Um, so oh, a little plug: they should be coming up on the website probably in the not too distant future, um, or uh, available via EA. Um, but I guess the biggest thing that they're saying is simply don't panic and trust us. We know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <That's scary. laughs>
20: so, um, I, I was going to say I know that. I mean, saying trust the federal government is you know pretty much an oxymoron. But uh, it was. Part of me kind of felt a little bit better because they it sounded like they actually had stages and stepping through processes and it wasn't going to be like okay next week we lose all of our 100 low lead. So that made me feel a little bit better because if, I mean one of the negatives of new media is everything can kind of create a buzz really quickly and this you know, is a serious issue. I'm not downplaying that but it really caught on fire recently and it's good to kind of see that yes that we've been you know they're working on something, and it's not just going to be tomorrow um, so
15: I think that the trust us comment is is about as succinct and accurate on this particular issue as I've heard. Mm-hmm. thank you <laughs> now, as
4: far as uh, what's out there uh, I have heard of three proposed alternatives. One is the uh, the GAMI fuel, which I, they're calling that G100UL, correct? UL, yeah. Or um, ULL or something like that. And then uh, Swift Fuels is also working on 100 low-lead replacement and Continental has been really harping on trying to get this 94-octane unleaded thing to go.
15: Yeah, non-starter, yeah. yeah.
4: yeah. Are, are there any others or are those the three we not, have Not right to my now?
15: knowledge. Um, the one of the factors in this is the the, the basic hundred low lead without the lead comes in around ninety seven ninety six octane, and once you add back something that increases that octane and and or provides some anti knock properties to the to the fuel, you're back to at least. 100, 101, something like that as a minimum. So this is not an intractable problem. This is not a chemistry problem. This is not a uh, a hydrocarbons problem. Uh, This is a political problem at its fundamental uh, base. And uh, that's what would scare me uh, if if I were, uh, if I had a horse in this fight.
4: Yeah, I guess what I, my my feeling is that yeah, that ninety four unleaded has to not be what happens, mainly because a lot of our airplanes can burn that. But look around here. Continental wants us to go ahead and use that fuel so that they can sell us new engine parts and FADEC and such. But I don't think they're doing anything for all these Pratt and Whitney and they're Wright.
15: not. They're not, and, and I only have one word to share with you as to one reason that the 94 UL will not fly. Now, one word is <laughs> Wouldn't They won't. They won't. They won't sit still for that.
4: Excellent. Now, is there any sort of? Uh, I, I have no sense of whether uh, the Swift solution or uh, the GAMI solution is better, or
14: might they be interchangeable? Or there 's going to be more competition in this as it goes along, and we 've just seen a bit of cooperation between two departments, two agencies that takes a whole lot of the urgency that we were worried about a few weeks ago and and, and turns the heat down under it effectively, so you know we 're not going to get cut out of one hundred low lead in the short term they 're going to find something that works. And something that bears remembering here is that this is not the first time that the general aviation community has faced fuel problems. Once upon a time, before my time, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a long time ago, <laughs> when they ran out of whale water. Remember, I started flying hang gliders. I didn't worry about gas except what it took to get the car to the top of the mountain. Fuel wasn't an issue. If the sun was out, we usually had enough to fly. Uh, but once upon a time, there was 80 octane, and there was 8991 octane, and 100 octane. And over time, the 80 and the 8991 range went away, and the 100 octane went away. And we got 100 low lead, because it was a common solution that would work in all of these different airplanes. It was more than the low compression engines needed, but it didn't hurt them to burn it. There was chemical compatibility. Can't believe I got that out. Chemical compatibility with the fuel system hardware. And that includes aircraft with bladders and those with, uh, uh wing, you know, wet wings and those with regular tanks, uh, which was no small feat. Differences in fuel hoses and O-rings and all that. And that's worked out. There's a, there, there's a history of us surviving changes. Uh, This one's just probably going to be one a little more dramatic on our wallets at the end of the day and take a little longer to formulate because what people seem to be after here is a solution that is not petroleum-based or based on as little petroleum as possible and no bad additives. And that's going to be a trick to find something that drops in and works with all those other things. But we're a pretty clever group, we're a pretty clever country. Now that we've eased the heat down under the political issue a little bit, all the powers that be can finally stop sweating that and polluting the gene pool with, in the gasoline with sweat. Have you ever gotten that out of a sump? And start focusing on actually addressing the chemical needs that need to be engineered to solve the problem.
13: But you know,
5: something that bothers me about this is something that Jeb t- touched on before. It is back when we did have eighty eighty seven seven and ninety, ninety-one, all or whatever it was. The, the gene pool of airplanes was much larger. And so there was more, um, yeah, I think there was more motivation for the fuel companies to try to work something out. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not so completely convinced right now that it's going to be as smooth a transition as we'd like it to be because they, they don't stand to make a whole lot of money out of keeping us happy.
14: That's one of the reasons why there needs to be more of us.
5: Yeah, well, it's... Future pilot uh, starts. there's a good story.
7: I have one. I have one question. Um, what about how is the LSa Lara Rotax engines going to play into this? They they use mogas. Yeah.
15: It, um, technically, they they primarily use mogas. They can burn hundred low lead, but uh, maintenance requirements are increased in a Rotax when you burn hundred low lead, which I find you know, just extremely interesting. Um. One of the primary goals, apparently, of this um, uh, General Aviation Avgas Coalition is to come up with a single fuel uh, that meets all of these needs. Um, And I, you know, know, on one level, I certainly support that. Um, it, It obviously cannot be premium unleaded. Um... It has to be something that, that works all, across the board in, the, in the, the turbocharged Navajos, the Cessna 150s, and everything in between. Um, as far as uh, uh, the Rotax uh, and um, you know, uh, Jabiru and Hearth and, and all of the other uh, ultralight and, and uh, uh, LSA uh, engines, um, they're probably going to be okay with just about anything as long as um, there's no lead in the fuel. They will probably be just fine. And I think ultimately the, the lead and 100 low lead is what increases the uh, maintenance requirements on the Rotax engines. Plus,
17: yeah. I think that's why we're going to Gammy UL99. Well. Gammy Swift UL99. You just to combine them all.
15: The I, I've way. known the guys at Gammy for a few years, and uh, um, they've never steered me wrong. Uh, I, I tend to put a lot of faith and, and, and tend to listen to their opinions. So if they say they have a solution to this, uh, at, least a, at least a chemical solution, perhaps not a political one or a distribution solution, but if they say they have a chemical solution to this dilemma, I tend to sit up and take notice and believe them.
4: I want to jump back to something that you said, Dave, real quick. is uh, You said this was going to really hit on a certain, in our wallets. Um, we're still looking at fuels that are going to be compatible with all the equipment on our airplanes, right? Are, are you thinking that this is going to be something that's going to have a very high cost per gallon? or
14: We're such a tiny, tiny portion of the fuels market that it's hard to conceive to me at the moment that the solution will be as inexpensive, relatively speaking, as Avgas is right now early on because there 's going to be some transition at work there, and the volumes are going to start out slow. but if we can get the volumes up and the feedstock production is low enough or low enough in cost it 's conceivable that uh, whatever our replacement is could get back down in cost uh, relative to what we 're spending now and you know we all know here that you can go into fbos where they 're going to charge you five hundred seventy five a gallon. And if you can't buy at least 40 or 50 or 100 gallons, they're going to want a $25 ramp fee. And then we know the little places like what's a little town there in Florida, south of Lakeland, Wachula, Wachula, where you can go in on a weekend and you know stuff 100 and some odd gallons in for just a little over 3 bucks. And there are all lots of little places like that that are pumping enough volume and have low enough costs that they can pass on a, a low cost for their ch- supply. Now wait a minute! Did you say a hundred gallons for three bucks?
4: <laughs> three bucks a gallon. Oh! I, I, <laughs> I was thinking maybe I could fly down there. That, that but would make a real cheap If you mention Tupper's
14: play. name, they'll only charge you four.
4: <laughs> All right. Well, I, I notice as we're talking about this, I, I keep looking down at you guys because you've been through enough stuff in the aviation world and been through these transitions. And Jeb, you've You've done the the political work, as you mentioned, that this is largely a political problem as well. So um, that's one of the things we appreciate about you guys is bringing that wealth of knowledge to us. So thank you very much.
17: Well, I, I want to bring up one point that I haven't, actually has never come up in a podcast, but it's a, a thought that my uh, co-owner, Roger, uh, all the people at uh, an FBO or a, on a field were complaining about how expensive the FBO's gas was, and then uh, they, the city put a new pump on the field that undercut the FBO. And, and of course, it's just a tank with a self-serve and no cost. And of course, they go get the, the pilots all go there and hang out and drink coffee at the FBO with the couches. Uh, you know, there's a, there's something to be said for paying a little premium. I mean. Flying out here, it's a long flight. I really I shopped gas to go cheap, but I had to spend the night in a jet center with a couch and it was it it was really really nice having a place that was open twenty four hours, had a place for me to stay, and look, that's paid for with, with the cost of aviation fuel. So I mean we don't want to Walmart ourselves into nothing but self serve because then we lose courtesy cars uh you know i hate to say it fruit and donuts and all the stuff that comes with the fbo's that are more full service so at least one tank every now and again should be to the the higher dollar fbo's and yeah and, otherwise we end up with the walmart of gap of fbo's that's
15: exactly right uh, fbo's for all their faults and, and we've talked about them several times on our podcast for all their faults they're they're a necessary evil um we, I remember popping in uh, to Tampa International a few several months ago, dropping Dave off after a son and fun, and and uh, we go in. We got this big awning. It's about as high as this uh, ceiling here, and we just taxi right in under the awning and uh, get out and unload all his gear. And uh, um, I think was a twenty five dollar ramp fee or something like that because we didn't need any gas. Um, it, that was painful, but. Yeah, it's it's we're getting services from them, and uh, they're there to, to be you know to be in business and try to make a profit. So I don't I don't begrudge that. Um, what I what I do begrudge is um, um, you know some price gouging or, or uh, um, no you got to do it this way kind of thing. And, and uh, that's that's a whole nother topic, and, and we'll get around to that in a future episode.
14: Well, I was always big on supporting my home FBO. You know, never sweat there. En route, I'm going to look for the better deal. But then there are those odd times where it just pays to, to, to spend a little when you don't have to. And I'll give an example, an FBO that I used to visit with some regularity, flying about 220, 230 nautical from my home field to drop my wife off to catch a Southwest flight home. Short notice, really cheap way to do it. Cheaper for me to fly her up there and to put her on a walk-up ticket in Wichita. The FBO at the destination airport, the airline airport, 200 and some odd miles away, had a courtesy van. They would take her to the terminal, drop her off. When I came back, they would send the van, pick her up, bring her back. I always bought more gas there than it took me to get there just out of appreciation for what they were providing because they did that basically as part of their service package. They didn't charge a ramp fee like some FBOs will. I mean, Jeb's dropped me off at a couple of places in Florida where you couldn't taxi across the ramp, let me throw my bag out the door without them wanting 25 bucks. I want to catch, I want to walk through the FBO and get a cat. $25 please. $35 Thirty-five dollars in one instance. So we didn't go back to that one, and we were—we didn't feel ripped off, but we did feel a little gouged. And uh, so you keep those kind of places in mind. There are options that don't don't have to do that. And that I'll do that every time on the road.
15: Buy me dinner first, anyway. A <laughs> <laughs> <Or, or> kiss. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I, I feel the need that to uh, to give a shout-out to Millionaire in Albany because in this discussion we've been talking about, there. well, there's either the cheap city self-serve or there's the big FBO that has expensive fuel but has all these uh, services and facilities. But um, I stopped in Albany, New York, on a ferry flight a couple of years ago, and it's the nicest FBO facility I've ever been in. They had a, a room there that I could sleep on a bed for free, and they had cheapest gas around so if i'm anywhere near there again i'll be back so uh anyway for now let's uh go ahead and take another break and we'll be back in a few minutes in pavilion 7 the honda forums plaza and live on eaa radio
12: they may call it new media but it's probably just your creep neighbor and his computer's in the basement welcome back to potapalooza 2010 on eaa radio
4: and we're back Potapalooza 2010 live on EAA radio and still here in the Honda Forums Plaza if you want to come down and say hi to us we'd love to see you I guess one other uh, political issue I kind of want to get into we have a new FAA administrator and uh, it, I haven't been around all that long uh, I'd like to uh, get some opinions from the audience and of course from, from the old guard here but is it just me or do we like this guy? Um,
5: I, I remember Randy Babbitt when I was still flying for the airlines, and he was president of the Pil- airline pilots' association. So I think it's the first time. Well, let me think. Marion didn't fly, I don't think. And who uh, uh, was the lady before her? Thank you. Jane Garvey, right? Uh, we've had a couple of administrators or pilots, but not any for a while. But I don't think it's the we've had any for a long time that have been so completely immersed in the industry as Randy Babbs is. Uh, but I think we were ready to like an administrator too, so it wouldn't have taken too much after after Marion Blakey. But uh, but he, you know, he, again, he is a he is a good guy. He's a level-headed guy, but he's still the administrator. You know, he's going to be forced to make decisions
4: that I that, that many of us are not going to like. Well, it seems to me, though, that he, he seems to be very good at deflecting some of the bad press and such, and that when you know, when you have certain senators who might be from New York screaming that if you want to be in the right seat of an airliner, you're going to need 5,000 hours or something, he seems to be real good at jumping in there with an alternate solution that is at least workable and, and a lot easier to swallow.
14: He may be the most uh, diverse in background of, of anybody we've had in a long time. Uh, Don Ingen, a retired Navy Admiral, oh, yeah. worked in the GA business, worked for Piper, sailplane pilot, which is ultimately what what uh, killed him, unfortunately. Uh, Babbitt is a second-generation airline pilot. He led the Airline Pilots Association, the Airline Pilots Union. Uh, he's worked as a consultant. He's a GA pilot. He's worked in GA with with companies trying to get into the business. Uh, politically savvy, but not particularly political. Uh, has an appreciation of the limitations of, of the power of the job he has because he's been on the other side of the table in many, many instances over many, many years. Uh, and has a more realistic view, I think, of the businesses that he helps regulate, airlines, charters, general aviation as a community, because of that second-generation background, that participation. We lacked that for a long time, and I think it did us damage. Uh, Under not exactly ideal circumstances, Babbitt seems to be off to a fairly reasonable start. And it seems pretty apparent that even where he can't necessarily influence something the way he would like to, he's sincerely and seriously listening to the problem that you got. And, it, you know, that, that's a good first step. And,
5: you know, I think it's no small challenge that you have a person that takes on an agency uh, that, within the federal government, I think they, they rated, uh, of, of the top 250 agencies, FAA was second from the bottom as the worst place imaginable to work. And having worked for them for 10 years, I, I kind of agree with that. But, I mean, that's that's no small problem that he has, trying to, uh, trying to actually accomplish something when you have employees that are, unfortunately,
17: not really well
5: motivated sometimes.
17: Well, I think another thing, I, I, I do a lot of work with government agencies, mostly Department of Energy, and, and one of the things for any government agency is You know, it's really hard to get anything done when you don't have a budget, Uh, and FAA has gone how many years without, uh, where it's just continuing resolution, continuing. How can you implement any major program without somebody uh, actually telling you you have funds to do it so you can even start a plan. With a continuing resolution you're just, you, you don't have any authorization base to do anything other than just sort of spin your wheels and kind of continue plotting without any plan or progress. And one of the things, I was at the AOPA booth and uh, you, you fill out a survey, you get the free hat without a without a button, it's a, it's a, good, a good piece of booty. Uh, but the response uh, I looked at the results you could look at the what other people were uh, taking and, and their, their res- results and one of them was you know you, you, one of the survey questions was I will contact my politician and find out where they stand that one got the lowest hit and you know Look, the reality is we have to be politically active uh, with respect to aviation in general. I mean, uh, FAA is lame because no one's putting any heat on them. And, you know, the GA community is about the only place it's going to come from.
15: Well, that's exactly right. I would never suggest that anyone become a single-issue voter. But certainly this is uh, an issue area that uh, we should all factor into uh, our voting and and political contributions and our activities and and things like that. Just one one final comment, Mike. I I also spent some time at the AOPA uh, exhibit, the booth tent, whatever you want to call it, and I I was surprised that I never saw the phrase wine club anywhere in that display. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
5: <laughs> yeah, so Wine Wine well. I know.
0: <laughs> you know, it, it, um, we, we talk about these issues where we need to be vocal and, and um, make the, you know, our views made known. The, the biggest problem, and we talk about this every year and every time pilots get together, is our numbers are dwindling. We're becoming less and less relevant to the rest of the world. We're not a, we're not championing as well as we could the things uh, that aviation is doing for, for everyone, um, and I know there's a lot of organizations and a lot of people that are trying, but if our numbers are dwindling, um, the amount of work that's going into that is going to continue to dwindle as well.
4: All right, is there anybody in the audience who has any feelings here? No, don't don't be shy. <laughs> <laughs> you
13: have any
17: no feelings at all. These are, cool feet. These are cool well. We do have a young example of a pilot, uh, the barefoot bandit, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes! All right. <laughs> that went over like a pregnant high jumper.
4: <laughs> that didn't. You, know, you really got to watch what you say because some people might just be turning on your radio, and that's a couple now.
5: Way too much. Totally naked.
4: All right, well, we'll take a quick break here. I think it'll be our last one, and uh, we'll come back in just a few and, and finish up, and uh, we'll see you then. Come on down to Pavilion 7, Honda Forums Plaza, or keep on. Yeah, definitely come quick, but we'll, we'll still be here and talk to people after we're done with the radio program, And uh, but we'll be right back.
12: The voices in your head are coming together and organizing. This cannot be good. It's Potapalooza on EAA Radio. All right, we're
4: back in the Honda Forums Plaza, Pavilion Number 7. And uh, we just mentioned a few minutes ago, we were talking about pilot starts and uh, marketing and all that sort of stuff. Our numbers are dwindling here, and uh, we need to do something about it. Um, one thing that I, I read an article today about Kid Venture, which... You know, I haven't been coming here long enough to know when that kind of thing started. Kind of thought it had been going on forever, but it seems like it's a, a relatively new thing. Uh, Steve, have you
11: taken your son down to uh, Kidventure yet? They spent the day today at Kidventure. It's uh, it's a, it's the Pioneer Airport, and there's there's stuff that's not just kids, but it's mostly about the kids. It's where the helicopter rides originate. Um, we went down and got our fourth helicopter ride. Its mom has agreed that. A Bell 47 is okay. Um, as you may remember, last year I spent the day after the Citation flight staying married um, <laughs> for taking cola. But the EAA does a heck of a job. They've got an entire building that is devoted to, uh, to earning your, your kid venture A&P and you go around, Uh, Cole Cole made a really good propeller today. I was really proud, because he sat there and removed a whole bunch of of material, but only the material he was supposed to remove. Use the tool right, they teach kids how to rivet. They've got actual engines there that you pull stuff off and put it back on, Uh, and there there are airplane climbs. There's both a couple that are in the hangar, and then there are three or four actually really intriguing airframes out by the bus, but a great place for kids.
1: And I would second that I have so, my, my son here, Steven, too and Helicopter ride, second one it, it's, a, it's a good thing so.
4: Alright, so one of our audience members here Is, of course, Steve's son So, uh, Cole, what did you think? Did you enjoy KidVenture?
18: Yes, Cole says he did really enjoy it
4: What, what was your favorite part?
18: <laughs> Hold on, Standby. by Stand by
17: Stand by.
18: He's not sure, but he he liked all of it.
4: All right, who, who would have thought that Steve's kid would be any any shy in front of a mic? He can't get worded if you He's not
18: eat- shy. He just said he wouldn't do it unless he was getting paid.
0: <laughs> There's a lawyer side. All right. That's that's more like it.
11: I thought he was just waiting for me to give him
15: the guitar. He'll never be a podcaster, then. (laughs) I was
11: going to say,
4: Cole, you're hired. (laughs) Well, uh, Rob, you you hosted a forum earlier this week where you were talking about some of these things. Another problem that I think that we have is that most of the people who get into aviation businesses like FBOs and flight schools do it because they want to fly. And they're horrible, horrible business people in a lot of cases, unfortunately, and, and are not necessarily friendly to people who are not yet pilots. And, um, you're a marketing person. Uh, do you have any kind of thoughts on that and uh, any kind of solutions that came up in your forum the other day?
5: Uh, I think the, the most immediate solution was that companies needed to hire us. I, I, you know we told them I, uh, I don't think there's anything more to say about that no I'm just kidding no actually and, and you know one of the one of the strangest things is that it, still when you look at the way companies run businesses there are so many people that are in their businesses because they think aviation is really cool and and and, and same same with us and and there are times that, that we do some really stupid things and someone will say well you're a pilot what do you expect you know and we do make some stupid business business decisions. Uh, but one thing we were talking about the other day was uh, social media. We had a number of uh, uh, aircraft manufacturers at the forum and, and some uh, small businesses. And, and, and these people are, are trying. They are trying. But I think that um, uh, what we're doing uh, is something new to them. Uh, we're, you know, we're all pretty light on our feet. You know, you guys came over and said, "Hey, let's start a podcast." And, you know, you found out it was tough, but you got in there and you did the work. And and I still want to know how they convinced you to do all the editing. Can we get you to do the editing at Airplane Geeks? They caught me at a weak moment. Okay, <clears throat> but but most companies are not that flexible. And so, for one thing, they don't really understand this that well. And and the and the bureaucracies within the make. Using social media and this kind of get together forum, very very difficult for them. So I, I think that one thing we took away is that the, the industry is really going to start relying on on organizations, on people, and groups like us uh, that that can make things that can make things happen, that can get in there and put a podcast together. And how
12: long does it take you to? Do it? I don't
11: know. To Ten minutes. And it depends if Kent is uh, on a roll or not. <laughs>
5: <laughs> uh, but anyway, I'm I really, and I, I think that's. I think we're really going to start to show our worth here with with these kinds of things. And I think we need to we need to approach these companies and say, "Listen, you know what? We're happy to, to to be able to help you sell your whatever, uh, and and ask for a little help in return. Uh, and and a lot of
0: these companies are open to that. They they just haven't been approached yet. Yeah, I think, um, I obviously don't know the answer to this, or um, I'd probably be um, uh, a lot more wealthy than I am, but... Um, <laughs> In aviation? <laughs> yeah.
5: yeah. We're sitting here drinking totally naked beers on a, on a podcast. Okay, we're
0: doing well. Exactly. <laughs> but we, you know, the, aviation for everyone doesn't seem cool. Um, it seems cool to us, and we have listeners and, and viewers that are listening because they think it's cool because they like it. Um, but we, you know, we have a, an opportunity, and I think a responsibility as sort of uh, the, the faces currently of new media in aviation, where we're going to be able to have an effect. I can tell you one thing: like I said, I don't know all the answers, but I do know for sure that regular media, newspapers, and, and mainstream news programs and things like that are not going to make aviation seem cool to people um, or make it even seem approachable to people who may have an inkling of, of interest. And I think it's up to individuals who have a passion about it and uh, for people who are, are taking those steps to, um, to kind of make new media... Um, the you know this this medium for um, allowing people to feel personally attached to other people and get the word out and and uh, basically make other people realize how fun it is how how many amazing people are involved in aviation and we cannot rely on on the existing. Uh, uh, Ways of, of getting the word out, and I, I truly believe that we have an opportunity and a responsibility to yeah. to make this grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and I I couldn't agree more, and and I think it's it's
5: it's we are our own worst enemy sometimes because we assume that the people that are around us, we all get it, we all know how cool this is, and we don't spend much time talking to people that are not pilots. Uh, and and so you know when I'm approached at, at places, and they go, "Oh, you fly? Wow, that's pretty cool." I I get a little crazy because I'd rather go overboard and have them say that I'm, I'm kind of geeky, you know. But probably works. But but I'd rather have them say, "Boy, the guy is really into that," you know. And I've had people actually decide to learn to fly because they felt like there was something really interesting. So it's it's going to be harder. It's not. This is not the '70s for those of us that grew up remembering when they were selling fifteen, eighteen thousand to single-engine airplanes in a year. I mean, it's not like that anymore. It's a lot, the work is a lot harder, but but we're the ones to do it. I really believe that.
0: Yeah, I mean, when was the last time the number no- of pilots doubled it, it? It had to be, you know, 50s, right? Oh, God, yeah. It, you know, w- if, down, if, everybody, if everybody who is a, today, just got somebody within five years to become a pilot, get involved in aviation, become an A&P, whatever. We, We would double our numbers in five years. I mean, that's unimaginable.
11: Everybody's familiar with the EA uh,
12: Young Eagles program, but we were talking earlier this week that we need an old Eagles program as well. Uh, th- the kids are coming up, but it may be five or ten years before they can really have an impact
0: That's and really again. participate fully in aviation. I, I think the term that-, that was discussed was bald eagles.
16: Bald, bald eagles? <laughs> <laughs> okay, bald eagles. <laughs> no, I think, I think you're exactly I right. I that uh, let, let me just tout this idea, this kind of wild-ass idea that I've got here. Um, I talked about it on the podcast. I'll talk to you again while I've got a captive audience here. Um, it seems to me, one of the things I've learned since we've been doing the podcast and talking to so, so many people and hearing from so many people on email and in the forums and whatnot, one thing I was kind of surprised to discover is that there's a huge population of people out there that already get it, that already have a passion for aviation, but they are unable, for one reason or another, to, to get the license. All right? um, they, they just think it's not accessible, they genuinely don't have the funds, whatever. And, and so... You know, I mean, I'm all in favor of converting people, of going out and and finding people and and convincing them and showing them how cool aviation is. But first, there's a whole bunch of people that don't need any convincing. They already believe it. The Dave Allens of the world, you know, and the, okay. The problem is that we've got this $6,000 speed bump, all right, between them and aviation, all right. Um, And I believe that one way to make the situation better is free-flying lessons, all right? And I'm really kind of mostly serious about this, all right? I think that... I I am... I think that the aviation industry, all right, particularly the deep pockets like the Cessnas and the Pipers and the Beechcrafts and the, you know, uh, I mean, all these organizations should be contributing into I don't know exactly how the mechanics would work, but some way they need to contribute into a fund so that anybody who has a good faith desire to learn how to fly can get a sport pilot license basically for free, okay? And I think... We'd gather up all those Dave Allens of the world, all right? And that, we, we could double the pilot population in 10 years, all right? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and the, the deep pocket aviation industry people would actually make money on it, all right? Because the fact of the matter is that every pil- new pilot is a new customer, all right? Yeah.
18: And they you, would make more money. You've you got to remember, too, though, that the, that's out there. You, you see it everywhere I don't know what article I was reading It might have been in one of those magazines That they're giving out each day But you know, I was reading today I think Wednesday's um, magazine They sent out a newspaper That some guy did He got, he got a free, you know, free ticket to fly And get his license in an LSA That is out there The problem is people don't know that And the bigger problem is Is that maybe people don't want to take that step to do it so I don't. I don't know a solution. I'm just I, trying to play a little I, I also,
0: advocate. I would also um, add, Tiffany, that um, you know those those companies that you mentioned, you called them deep pockets. I would call them formerly deep pockets, <laughs> right? So so they are going to benefit, obviously, from new starts and and people who are becoming pilots. But I think all of us will as well. And I, and I think one of the ways that that we can do exactly what you're doing is find the organizations that are helping people do this already.
16: And by the way. Sporties, a lot.
0: Big kudos to Sporties. No doubt,
16: they're sort of on track to do this kind of stuff. They kind of have a sense of this, and they're taking steps. And I give them a lot of credit. Um, yeah, they're really you. the first of the. And deep pockets is maybe a bad term, but but you know <laughs> the big aviation companies, yeah. you know, the
0: ones who stand to benefit. The exactly,
16: most you know. So well, I give Sporties a lot of credit. That's why I, that's why I didn't mention Sporties because I think they're already on this track. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. But the others need to buy into this as well. Yeah. And there's
0: there's nonprofit organizations as, as well that are that are. Um working toward that same goal and making sure that aviation uh, continues to grow and if and if we don't know about them who who possibly would and I think we have an opportunity to support those groups, find out who they are. We, as sort of spokespeople for new media in, in aviation, we should be out there touting them as well, finding them, um, hearing from our listeners, and, and making them known so that we can support them. You know, We can help with the funding for these new starts, and it's going to benefit all of us as well as the, the deep pockets, as you said. Because there's, there's I'm, really I'm, only... looking,
1: I'm looking right now for that funding. Um, <laughs> 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 but
18: it's... Um, <laughs>
1: Seriously, I, I, I've jumped through this hoop uh, two years ago, went through the whole LSA thing. I, I'm in that group that, of easy converts, and, and there's, it's hard, It's so hard to get over that hump that I think if you can figure a way. And there, there's a lot of scholarships, different, different areas, but if you can figure a way to systematically kind of drive, drive down the cost. The other piece I would talk about is, is the community and welcoming in some of those people that are that are at the fence but aren't quite there. It's it's hard That's to, a to get in and stay in. And and some people get it, I think Sporty's gets it, you know. My son's been online in Sporty's free free classes and and is getting exposed to that. And that is so cool, but um, that community at the airport isn't there. That's part of what I think New Media does is it creates that community. I have people I re-soloed not too long ago, I had people on Twitter following me, much like people were following Jeff here. Um, and I get off, and I get this list of people. Hey, way to go! Oh, did you hear him on on live ATC and all that stuff? That's another big piece that we need is that community, and I think new media can do that. I think that's yeah, that here. Here. And maybe new media can also get free airplanes for
17: us. So I think we need to <laughs> yeah, 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 free airplane, free pilot's license, free gas. Right. And uh, I think that's our, our. We should all write our congressman
9: and ask for that. One of the three. All right. right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with what you're, what you're saying, and it makes a lot of sense. But I just want to know, and I use this term, I blame you guys. I was one of those guys. I wanted to fly my whole life. And it's like, uh, how do you justify the expense? How do you do that? How do you, I'm 47 years old, right? And I just passed my checkride. And listening to podcasts, because a buddy of mine said, oh, you should, should listen to podcasts. I'm like, well, I like aviation, start listening to aviation podcasts. That's what pushed me over the fence. That's where I hit, got to the point where it's like, you can't justify the expense, If you want to do it, you come up with a way. I mean, I realize not everybody can afford it, and it was hard for me. It took me a year and a half to get to this point, and part of that was money. But at the same time, people like you, all of you guys, you influence us, people like me, to take that leap and to do it. Um, So new media is pushing this, Twitter, uh, podcasts. So while I agree there should be cheaper ways for people to get into it at the same time. I think you guys are all contributing to this. are all bringing an, new pilots in. There's and another... something
4: everybody can do that we all love to do anyway, and I do this a lot, is I take people flying. Yeah. Yeah. We all love to go flying. Don't go flying by yourself. Go grab somebody who you think yeah. might have an interest and take them flying.
1: I
16: propose the is a pledge, right? <laughs> <laughs> I will take... Be I want to hear it okay, first. Ever. Okay, everybody's going <laughs> I will take people flying on a regular basis. I will, No, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. Oh, yeah. Really. Yeah. I, I will do it. I, I will yeah.
0: add to that. There's, you there's guys do. I'll another... add to that. Don't ask them to share expenses. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's another no,
8: component simple. that I'd like to mention um, being the... the one of the two women kind of represented up here today and I think that part of the issue that I always hear that Mike always gets comments on is oh my gosh you know your wife is so enthusiastic she's so supportive she's so into it and I had the chance when um, he was just starting his lessons and it never once did aviation really come into my perspective other than I liked traveling around the world in a, in a big old jetliner, you know. But when he told me this was a lifelong dream of his, I wanted to support that. I wanted to be part of it as much as I could. And when his instructor said, hey, do you want to come up with us? I said, yeah, let's do it. But I think part of what will help is that some, you know, still the major, I think we need to encourage women to become pilots, but we also need to bring, the, you know, the spouses in because some, some pilots are kind of forced to choose between following that dream and keeping their relationship with the one that they love. And if you can bring the women in and get the women passionate and excited, get them maybe over there, if they don't want to become pilots, but maybe they see it's a great, you know, photography. experience. this time with my husband, it's worth that money to do it. Uh, if there's some way that we can build that community of supportive, you know, female spouses and also male spouses for those female pilots that might get some feet, you know, spoke back. I think that uh, I think that will really help quite a bit as well.
4: All right, we're going to probably continue this conversation here live in the uh, number 7 Pavilion, the main pavilion here in the Honda Forums Plaza. Unfortunately, we're almost out of time on the radio, and of course, one of our traditions with Potapalooza is that uh, we have some very creative people in our midst, and uh, one of my favorites, of course, is Steve. He does some really great music, so we're going to have Steve pick us out. Um, uh, for those of you who can only join us on a, on the radio, thank you for listening. For those of you who are able to come and join us in the forums, please come on down to forum seven. To give us your ideas. And for now, here is Steve Tupper.
11: I like to hear shows when they have a VFR rival window. A called in the down. And I know you do the same thing, so I listen to the radio when I hear you turn rolling down the shoreline, I it like they did before, it's the last
8: at the Aviation Podcast Network.
9: TheVoicesInYourHead.com